My name is Meg. My name is Adam. And how are you doing this week? I'm drunk. So the way that we got drunk, or rather the way that Adam got really drunk, was through our uh, weekly game of Drunk Badminton. It was on a wet lawn. It was on a wet lawn. And, and bear in mind that last time we played badminton, it didn't end well for me. No. Do you want to tell them what happened? I, I slipped up and I think I herniated a disc. Yeah. Whatever I did to it is pretty bad. Like, yeah. my back is my back is busted. Yeah. So, basically, you know, I think that was tripping you up a little bit because obviously you didn't want to get injured again fear i was afraid of injury yeah and i'm not gonna lie and you might sound this controversial i can now seriously relate to a lot of injured olympians no you (laughs) like i don't know about i no no no, hang on hang on when they're like i'm I'm worried about pulling a hamstring or something i I get you now okay okay all right you know like i i get wanting Mm. to play it safe you know, Adam Peaty, I relate. No, Tom okay. Daly, I relate. <laughs> I don't think you relate to world champions. <laughs> I don't think that's excuse. I, I, babe, I sympathize with your plight. I, but I don't think that's a fair comparison to make. I, I don't know. I mean, like I say, I, I, it was, it was, it was tense out there on the yes. court. I played my best, so but we, how many games but there was this played? niggly idea in the back of my mind. How, how many games did we play? Four, right? Four, yeah. Yeah, and well, I think it multiplies up to an Olympic scale. <laughs> And then how many games did you win? Zero. So how many shots did you do? Four. Yeah. And then we and then I had a like vodka and um like squash mix. And then yep. you had a gin and squash mix. I did. So when we say squash, we don't mean um like the melon, like the, the like pumpkin. Yeah, we don't board. we don't just put vodka in a squash no, 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 and then no, no. Eat the squash. Yeah. Squ- well, basically, in, in the UK, they really like to drink, um, like, concentrated fruit cordials, basically, right? And yeah, then, sure. like, you, you pour about, like, a fourth or, like... Well, you say they, they really like to drink, like, the collective population of the oh, UK. Well, no, but, like, a lot of people do, Yeah, there's, right? it's, it's quite a popular far drink. Far more yeah. common than I think in North America. My supervisor far, drinks cordial. Far, far more common. Uh, uh, in fact, this is one yeah. of the first things we bonded over was, was uh, us both Robinson, drinking Robinsons, right? yeah. Basically, you add, like, a little bit, right? And then you fill the rest up with water, and then you're kind of left with this, like, juice, yeah, right. yeah, it's like juice, yeah. but without any fruit. I know. And and, and now no no real sugar, yeah, so it really so what, does make you wonder is what is it. What is it? Anyways, so th- those are the cocktails we had. Uh, you are presenting this week, if I'm not mistaken. I am presenting. Okay, and do you remember what the word was? Rabbit. 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 Um, am I going to start? Or we want to do a bit more banter. Is that enough banter? Well, we went to Manchester. Um, we did. We've been watching Love Island as well. Love Island. Well, if you're if you're interested in reality TV commentary, you can check out our daughter podcast, our Love, da- our daughter. <laughs> Love Island, Love You Avoche. What a way to frame it. Couldn't you yeah. just have called it like our child podcast or our related podcast or associated? Our you, sister podcast. It was our daughter podcast. Yeah. What a weird way to frame. Well, such anyways, a... that's, that's where we talk about all things Love Island. Um, we won't do it here, obviously. Th- this is where we talk about all things PhD evidently really yeah right are you sure i don't think that's the case i think we're pretty close to phd we're not very close Uh, i think it just it skims the surf it's like what what are they called a logarithmic 
like uh, yeah don't worry we, we'll, it will be over soon we'll, be we'll have finished soon. the season exactly. and then we'll have to figure out another way to yeah. create 30 episodes yeah. worth of content exactly but did you enjoy manchester we went to manchester for our anniversary yeah we did yeah two years now i i enjoyed it i enjoyed really the drive up i enjoyed the drive back you know yeah and, like, I, I enjoyed it was good food was delicious are, like crazy the people were insane yeah, so. um the hotel was a experience yep. so fingers crossed knock on wood um we will be going to canada soon enough yeah we will I, uh, yeah let's not give too much details because you know fingers crossed on all those pcr tests and covid fulfillments and yeah stuff we've like got that. we've got so, a lot of tests know? to do before exactly. we're allowed to leave exactly so, anyway let's, anyways, let's, let's get on with on, it right? yeah all right go for it okay rabbit rabbit we're talking about rabbit rabbit all right um so rabbit where does the word rabbit come from i assume you know it's quite an obvious one right yeah, I mean, like, um, the, like the illness, right? Like, yeah, rabies, yeah, right? Rabies, yeah. Um, and I thought this was interesting. Okay. Um, and and I was tempted. I will say I was tempted to make this podcast solely about getting COVID vaccines, right? Because mm. it was kind of low hanging fruit, right? Yeah. You know, I, I I think vaccinations are interesting. I'm 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 ardently pro vaccine, mm-hmm. um, and I'm ardently pro vaccine for a number of reasons that. Uh, I'd like to think that not everyone is because not everyone's had the sort of life experiences that I've had, mm-hmm. right? I'm not saying that you haven't had the same life experiences as me. I'm just saying that I, I think that my perspective on vaccines is maybe a little bit more driven by my previous medical experience, yeah. both both as a patient and as sort of like as sort of a, a bystander to other people who I know are patients, right? Um, I, and I was tempted to do that and... You know, I was going to make this a whole spiel about, you know, how you should get vaccinated, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying that because I'm not doing that, you shouldn't yeah, get vaccinated. Yeah, do that statement right off the top. I'm just going to I'll do that right off the bat. I do support vaccination still, yeah. despite the research that I've done here. But yes. but I wanted to talk I wanted to talk more broadly about vaccination rather than solely focusing on COVID. I wanted to talk a bit about rabies and, and stuff like that. Okay. So, so we'll start with rabies. So, so the title of my talk is Absolutely Rabid vaccinating against disease okay what do you know about rabies so i know that um animals can give it to you right yep, and sure. when, how well through like biting yeah right? sure, yeah, yeah. and and i know that like um well there's that famous scene in right at the beginning of to kill a mockingbird right where okay. Uh, well okay well maybe well <laughs> here we go okay where, really demonstrating my lack yeah, of literature where, like, education Scout, i think i mean i haven't read it either to be honest i've only seen i've only kind of seen it through the movie and the cultural osmosis right but like i've even seen that. oh boy well basically like scout right sees this like rabid dog kind of lingering on the street and and her father atticus finch who's the lawyer right is the sure. one that ends up shooting it and putting it down right um i've seen videos of like rabid raccoons sure. squirrels and the way that like they're kind of reacting is like we've been watching a lot of the, the walking dead yeah sure right and they kind of have this like confused angry foaming at the mouth sure. i know there's something to do with hydrophobia so like they're okay. afraid of the water or okay. like they're, they're kind of averse to water sure. rather sure um if they bite you you can get it and presumably now if you have rabies you will be okay but i know that like even maybe 20 years ago or something it was pretty much a death sentence okay that's, that's what well, i that, that was that's a, what I that was a fairly good crack yeah that was a fairly good crack it was a good effort yeah um, so rabies is a neurological disease. 
Um, it's caused by a virus called a Lysa virus or a Lysa virus. It's spelled L-Y-S-S-A, Lysa uh -huh. or Lisa. Um, as you've already mentioned, it's typically transmitted through bites. Mm -hmm. um, now, in the Western, well, in, in, in sort of like the majority of, of rabies cases, it's transmitted through dog bites. Okay. Which is made all the more interesting by the fact that many countries have now immunised dogs to the extent that dogs no longer carry rabies. So in the UK, for example, you know, dogs don't carry rabies in Australia, they don't yeah. carry rabies. Even in places like Indonesia, they don't yeah. carry rabies. And, right? and I know that, like, if you want to move to countries like Japan or New yeah. Zealand or, like, Indonesia, Even the UK. They have really strict, like, pet like license yeah you have to get like pet passports yeah, and exactly, stuff like that absolutely exactly. yeah exactly um but 99 percent of cases of rabies are still transmitted through dog bites okay. but that's not to say that it's exclusively dog bites that cause the rabies mm -hmm. um you know it can be bats it can be it can be pretty much any mammal and this is quite interesting so it, it rabies typically survives in warm-blooded animals um, it's been shown to survive in birds, but where it's really interesting is birds actually develop immunity to it very often and don't, don't actually, yeah. they don't succumb to rabies like yeah. other animals do. Now, you said that it's very treatable, mm -hmm. and it is to an extent. Okay. If you get bitten by a rabid animal or an animal that is currently carrying rabies, then you will survive if you get treatment immediately. Okay. But, the moment symptoms start to onset, oh it's a death sentence. Are you serious? It's a death sentence. That's crazy. Um, well, it, it's well, it's yeah. a death sentence. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'll, I'll come on to that in a second. So the typical treatment course for rabies is um, once you've been bitten by an animal that is potentially rabid, there's anywhere between four days to two years when symptoms start to present. That's crazy. That's a very now the median time. Yeah. The, the sort of like the, <laughs> it's five days. Well, it's it's four to ten. Okay, right? so that's that's very short. So, then. so yeah. it's very short, you know. But but you know, there's so many factors to consider, right? Like viral load, where you were bitten, stuff like that, right? I would imagine if something like bit your little toe. And a very small quantity of rabies bacterium got into you. It takes much longer than if it bites, like your lower torso. Exactly. And, and it's like a dog. It's, yeah, it's right next to yeah. your like you know like main arteries and yeah. blood vessels and all of that kind of stuff. So, so rabies is very much dependent on sort of a number of facts around where you're bitten, you know, how far along the the infected animal was, etc., etc., etc. Right. Um. Yeah, but it takes about four to ten days to present on average, okay? Now, presuming that the symptoms haven't onset, uh -huh. the way it's typically treated if you've been vaccinated is to give vaccine boosters. Okay. And I think this is quite interesting because there's perhaps this conception or misconception, depending on how you look at it, that, you know, vaccines are only effective before you have a disease. Yeah. And to an extent, that's kind of true, right? Because with with, with rabies in particular, obviously, um, you know, the, the virus itself takes a very long time compared to the vaccine to become effective, right? Mm. Um, 
But the vaccine, therefore, because of the rabies sort of like long incubation period, is a very effective treatment. And it, it, it's known as um, post-exposure prophylaxis, right? Mm. Um, in the case that you haven't been vaccinated... Because have you? I haven't. I, I have. Oh, have you? Yeah. Um, most people in the UK should okay. be vaccinated against rabies. I'm going to say that I haven't. And I'm also going to say that maybe in Ontario, that's not very common. Maybe if you travel and stuff like that. We'll talk about Ontario yeah. in a second because okay. got, I've got some more okay. stuff about Ontario. That's cool. All right. Um, but you know, most Western countries do vaccinate against rabies. Okay. It's about a five-course series mm -hmm. it takes place throughout like childhood and adolescence it's typically part of school shots or part of shots that you just have as a child right um if you haven't been vaccinated yeah. you'll also be given what's known as rabies immo uh immunoglobin okay. or uh, immunoglobulin mm -hmm. i can't pronounce no, it <laughs> um it's a kind of essentially like antibodies for rabies, right? Mm. It's typically delivered at the site of the bite yeah. um, as a sort of like initial preventative to give you to give your body a head start when using the vaccine. Sure. If you haven't vaccinated, you'll get two vaccine shots. You'll get um, a one on day zero, so the day you're bitten, yeah. and you'll get another one three days later. Okay, okay? Um, and to be honest with you, you know. By NHS standards, rabies treatment is fairly cheap. The immunoglobin is about a thousand pounds, and the two vaccine shots are about hundred and twenty quid, which is expensive. But a thousand pounds or one thousand one hundred and twenty pounds is not a lot of money to save a life, and it's a very you know, it's a very low cost treatment because you just inject it right. Like yeah. there's no like you know there's some there might be some implied hospital care for the bite wound or something but that would be implied regardless of whether or not yeah. someone had rabies right but generally speaking the treatment for it is actually fairly cheap but if the symptoms start to show mm -hmm. before you get treated mm -hmm. your chances of survival drop dramatically mm -hmm. in fact as of 2016 there've only been 14 times 14 cases wow. where someone has survived a rabies infection That's that have started the, like the symptoms that has had symptoms That's crazy. okay we have been watching so much walking dead okay yeah. we've been watching so much walking yeah. dead we've been getting really obsessed with like zombie lore and stuff like yeah. that and surely like the huge element of like the way that like zombies are like depicted and stuff like that is from yeah. like rabies surely. yeah rabies is a perfect example of a kind of like sort of very sort of similar similar to sort of this idea of the zombie virus right you know the desire to bite and stuff like that yeah. and rabies being a neurological condition does cause and, and you mentioned it and this is an interesting one you know fear of water is it's one of so them bizarre. you know like and 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 fear of water is or like aversion to water. Well, no. Actually, what it causes is like a gag reflex. Wow. So the body kind of goes, no, I don't want to swallow that. I don't want to so swallow weird. that, right? And obviously, you know, you couple that with the kind of paranoia it induces and all of yeah, these kind of things. Weird. You know, when you start to then, when, when as a rabies patient, you yeah. are given a glass of water, you, you, you try and dry and drink it, and then you gag, and then because of your paranoia thinking, Oh my God! What if this is poison? What? Yeah. You know. So it's so the aversion to water is kind of a symptom of symptoms, mm. right? Um, you know, it, it, it's this real. It's a nasty virus. It's a nasty virus, right? You know, and and so yeah. Now, 
you know, to eliminate rabies, what a lot of populations have done, and this has happened in Canada as well, uh-huh. is they do, you know, vaccinations of populations of animals that could cause rabies. So with dogs, obviously, a lot yeah. of countries Im- immunise dogs, you know, as like part of their sort of routine shots. With raccoons in Canada, sure. they use what is known as bait dropping. So they've got now vaccinations that can be basically placed in bait yeah, that raccoons, raccoons go and eat, and you know, yeah. then they're immunised exactly. And, it, and and it's been shown in in Canada, both in Quebec and in Ontario, to be a very inf- effective means mm-hmm. of reducing rabies cases. And in fact, I think you know within Ontario itself, it cut rabies cases in half within the first year of the program starting. Yeah. Right. So it's been a very effective way of like essentially just bringing down the number of rabies cases that emerged. And this got me thinking, right? Okay. Because, you know, one, one of the things that's really interesting to me is obviously, you know, and I, and I mentioned this, you know, why why do people avoid vaccination? You know, why do they, why, why would you not want to get vaccinated, right? You've got this disease, which is a death sentence. Yeah. It's still a death sentence today. Yeah. Rabies isn't something you fight. Mm-hmm. Rabies is something that comes, it makes you suffer psychologically, and then it kills you. Yeah. That's the bottom line. There are programs in place to create treat, and, and that, there is a treatment plan for rabies, right? There sure. is a theoretical way to treat rabies. Yeah, but it's. But because so few people make it to the stage of showing symptoms, because of the preventative measures that we have, this treatment plan is totally unproven, right? Yeah. Um, and that's interesting. You know, like, essentially rabies is one of those diseases where so few people get to the stage of really, truly kind of having it, in exactly. the sense that we, ha- we, 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 would, we would mean having it, right? Yeah. That there's no real way of knowing that this treatment plan would work on a mass scale. Yeah. You know. It's it's interesting because like maybe you'll give me some more information about like Ontario, but like I I truly like as a kid, right? I always thought that like rabies was like this really like old disease. Mm-hmm. Um I have been taught though from a young age that if you ever see an animal kind of like foaming yep. at the mouth or like kind of like out of it, kind of just pacing by yep. itself and like screaming or like making weird noises to just like run, yep. right? Like just get out of the vicinity yep, of that sure. animal and like call the like sure. you know services and stuff sure. like that. Um, but as far as I know, I didn't receive any vaccines. Um, um to- so rabies isn't a s- maybe because it's such a low risk thing. Do you know what I mean? Well, like such a low like prevalency kind of uh, disease where you know to what extent is it. I'm surprised in North America you didn't get a rabies vaccination. Yeah. I can't talk about Ontario's public health program because yeah. I don't know exactly what their schedule is on, on, on rabies vaccinations or whether or not it's considered important. What I think is really interesting is is that the rabies vaccine in and of itself is super effective, mm-hmm. but... Not really when you consider that it requires about seven shots to actually give you immunity, <laughs> right? Crazy. I'm not criticizing. Don't you know, like, yeah. I'm not saying that the rabies vaccine sucks because it doesn't, yeah. right? It you know, it is an effective way to prevent rabies and yeah. it does save lives, right? 
And when it, even if it doesn't prevent rabies, it's a very good way of treating rabies, presuming that the symptoms have an onset, right? But it is crazy that, you know, this, this, this vaccine requires five courses to even sort of be effective, and then two more top-ups yes. to prevent something, right? Which is unlike other vaccines, really, yeah. if you think about it. You know, I'm sure there'll be other examples. I'm sure that if you're a doctor listening to this show, you're probably thinking of yeah. a dozen other scenarios in which a similar, a similar... But it's not a vaccine in the same way we think about it, right? When we think about the flu vaccine, we think, right. I get the flu vaccine, it stops me getting flu. Yeah. Or if I do get a flu, it's, it kind of sucks, but yeah, it's not it that bad. Yeah, it like two weeks and I'm over it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right. But we don't think, oh... I will get vaccinated, and then I'm going to have to get additional doses if I do get bitten. It's right? this weird, and the thing is also, if it, it's kind of a comparison of like risk versus you know like sure. how annoying it is, right? Sure. Because like I'm sure, like example with COVID, if yep. scientists were like, "You better get five doses of the COVID vaccine," people would be like, "Sci." More people, I think, would be like, "If that's what I have to do, that's what I have to do," yep. right? But that's because like. COVID, for instance, is this airborne, like, you know, virus that has been classified as like a pandemic kind of level. Whereas with rabies, for instance, you know, people are thinking if, you know, if I live in the suburbs or I live in the city or I'm just doing my day to day thing, the chance I'm going to come upon one rabbit animal or 10 rabbit animals uh, is not worth sure. it's just not worth me sure. going and like getting five shots and stuff and, like and that. this is the interesting thing really because actually you know i've been doing a bit of research and or not research but i've been doing a bit of reading around people yeah. that are vaccine hesitant you know sure. i i personally love exploring like forums of alternate opinion i'm not one to i'm not one to get into internet fights i, I don't no. have time for that i'm not interested in that right yeah but i i do like to sort of like go along and sort of gawk and sort of you know, I, I I often wonder, you know, what makes these people tick? What makes this person think that not getting vaccinated, they're still going to be safe or they're going to be this, or they're going to be that, or whatever. Mm. What is it that's motivating this person to make this decision, right? Yeah. And one of the most interesting ones was this I, was this one, one post that I read where, where this person was essentially like, Oh well, I've got all of my other vaccinations. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've done MMR. I've done my rabies yeah. vaccination. I've done my tetanus vaccination. Blah 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 blah. And but I don't trust how quickly they've developed the COVID vaccine. Yeah. And I'm there thinking, but rabies is like seven shots. Yeah. And even then, you have to get a top up. Yeah. You know, if you get bitten, right? Like. Did you put the same level of scrutiny into a rabies vaccine or a um, you know tetanus vaccine or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is pro- probably self-apparent just from the question, right? But the answer is presumably no. Yeah. Anyway, I want to move on now and I want to talk about the first vaccine. Okay. Do you know what the first vaccine was? Uh, smallpox. Okay, right. Sure, smallpox. Well, it was a vaccine for smallpox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smallpox wasn't the vaccine. No, I know. I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I know, yeah. Okay, but... Okay, so, you know, the first vaccine was for smallpox, Yeah, it was right? um, Lady Mary uh, Wortley Montague, right? Or, like, um, what is it, in, like, Turkey and stuff like that, right? Ooh, or no? No. Okay. Try again. 
well, I'm not quite what, sure. What, what was their name? Do you, do you know the other guy? No. Edward Jenner. Okay. So Lady Montague was yeah. known for um, essentially doing this kind of thing with a, with a piece of string and a thread, right, yeah. where she would essentially dip it in smallpox and then run it across a cut on the person mm-hmm. in order to infect them with a small dose of small, smallpox that mm-hmm. they could fight, right? This is known as a, this is a process known as variolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually was quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an effective vaccination. Sure. Not as effective as Edward Jenner's vaccination. But I wanna I wanna I wanna talk about that because it, it, it's not really Edward Jenner's vaccination. Mm-hmm. He deserves credit, I'm not disputing that, but it wasn't really his vaccination. So the first smallpox vaccination was actually to infect someone with a different disease. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that disease was? No. Cowpox. Okay. Yeah. So Edward Jenner observed, or or perhaps more accurately, was told of observations that someone infected with cowpox did not develop smallpox. Mm. Okay. And cowpox was a relatively harmless disease by comparison, right? Mm-hmm. The body typically was able to fight it off quite quickly. And then the immunity conferred by cowpox allowed you to defend against smallpox. Mm-hmm. Now, Edward Jenner himself didn't so much discover this fact as he worked in a farming community in Berkeley who were aware, Berkeley, UK, not Berkeley, US, mm-hmm. who were aware that those who had contracted cowpox didn't contract smallpox. So it was this kind of informal knowledge in farming communities that, you know, people that got cowpox didn't get smallpox. But Edward Jenner deserves credit only because he was the first to really go, actually, you know what, I'm going to make notes of this Uh and I'm going to share this with other people. I'm going to let people know, you know, like, guys, you get cowpox, it's going to kind of suck. Yeah. But it will suck a lot less than getting smallpox. You know, it's not going to be as bad. No, for sure. So, yeah, Edward Jenner does deserve a significant portion of credit for that, right? Uh And, And this was the first sort of, vaccination program right and he developed a method that essentially involved um taking like essentially blood from someone who had already been infected with cowpox Mm. and then putting that blood into other people right Mm. and you know sort of this was known known like arm to arm vaccination right um and it was you know various liquids or bodily fluids that from someone who had been infected to someone who hadn't been infected with cowpox in order to help them build immunity against cowpox, right? Mm. Um this was fairly effective. And this actually is where the word vaccine comes from. Mm. So so what does what does where does the word vaccine come from? Uh does it have to do with like vicinity? Oh no. Okay. What is the Latin for cow? Oh, yeah, like, okay, well, for French, it's, like, vache, right? Yeah. Yeah, and so, like... So, the Latin yeah, for cow yeah. is vaccina or vaccilla, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, it's a reference to cowpox, uh, right? Okay, I like um, that. So, it comes from, sort of, bovine, it comes from cow, right? Yes. Um, so, anyway, we sort of continue on through the, sort of... So, Edward Jenner is, is late 18th century. This is about 1790s, right? Is it Edward? Jenner or Edwin Jenner? Edward. Okay. Um, so this is, yeah, Edward Jenner is about late 1790s-ish. Um, you know, he's rocked up, he's gone, hey guys, you know, we start shoving cowpox in people. Mm-hmm. It's going to help us, like, you know, beat 
beat smallpox, right? Um, and this process is a lot. Of, this process kind of sucks. Okay. Because let's face it, putting one human's blood into another yeah, human's blood sounds... is uh, pretty bad, right? Yeah. And you know, a lot of bloodborne diseases were getting transmitted this way, <laughs> particularly syphilis. Yes, sure, right? exactly. Um, oh, that's now. That's not to say that it wasn't effective. Ultimately, oh it still it still saved more lives than it yeah, killed. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, right? right? Because the way that like syphilis develops a far like longer than like the way that smallpox develops, right? So you're kind of thinking, well, you won't get smallpox, but unfortunately, you do have syphilis. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, like, it wasn't a great methodology, but, you know, like, you know, medicine at this point was still a bit of a hit and miss game, right? I think, mm. I don't think people appreciate how, you know, how much medicine has got its act together in the past hundred mm. years, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and it really has been the past, probably since sort of like the 1900s onwards, that medicine has really gone... Guys, like, we can't be clowning around anymore. We gotta like, we gotta formalize this. We gotta, we gotta put processes in place. We gotta work out, you know, how do we practice in a way that is effective and that we find effective treatments for stuff, right? And mm. you know, medicine is the modern marvel that we see today, yeah. because of this kind of reformation. Um. Anyway, so so Edward Jenner's obviously gone, yo, know, cowpox. This is the way to do it, right? And it's pretty much stayed that way for a good 80-odd years. Mm. So we're getting up to about 18, 17, 80, 80, 1880. I can only think that with the kind of development of, like, syringes and stuff like that, that, like, vaccines start to really, like... That's not shit. really the thing that does it. Okay. We'll come on to that. But to an extent, I get what you're saying. You know, like the ability to shove a piece of metal in someone's arm and, and, and put stuff in them. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Essentially, what really needs to happen here is we need to figure out how we actually get cowpox from one person to another. Yeah. Or more accurately, how we don't get it from a person at all, but we actually get it from an animal. Mm -hmm. um, so... A process known as calf lymph um, is slowly developed, which allows basically you to scrape the bacterium off of animals. Mm. Cows, sheep also carry it. Um, I think um, also stuff like buffalo, mm. horses can be used. And this process proves to be a lot more effective because you can then mix it with glycerin, mm -hmm. um, which essentially kills off other that. <laughs> Exactly. Other bacteria, like secondary bacteria that yeah. are present on the animal, sure. and just kind of leaves behind the cowpox, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, you're sort of at a stage where you're like, "Oh, okay, now we've got now we've got an effective process to actually put together a, a proper vaccine." Yeah. And actually, this process of using cowpox continues up until the 1940s, 1950s, yeah. even though the process is a lot more refined than than you know cutting someone open and putting their blood on someone else. Yeah. Yo, the idea of let's use like cowpox is still something that's carrying forward into the 1940s, 1950s. And then in the 1960s, the UN decides that it wants to eradicate smallpox. Mm -hmm. And it essentially does. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes about 20 years. 
and there's this massive campaign to get people vaccinated against smallpox. So you have posters, public health messaging, um, there's UN teams going across the world, they're going to places where smallpox is endemic, where there's been smallpox outbreaks, they're vaccinating people, they're talking to people, mm. they're asking them, you know, why are you hesitant to get vaccinated? Yeah. You know, all of these things, you know, they're going out there, they're, they're, they're getting people vaccinated, you know, they're, they're working with world governments and they're going, you know, let's get the message out there, mm. get vaccinated against smallpox. And smallpox, doesn't exist in the wild anymore smallpox the strands the the strains of it remaining exist in cdc in the u.s and at vector which is the russian equivalent of the cdc um both under the guise of and you're gonna love this preventing bioterrorism yeah yeah it's like a weird bio cold war. Yeah, it's a bio cold war essentially. You know, they 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 trumpet all of these lines of oh well, we're keeping the world safe by preserving the smallpox strain so that if it does break yeah. out, you know, we can like treat it. Um if you want to believe that. Yeah. By the by, um the US and Russia have had a pissing contest for as long as we've been alive and to be honest with you for as long as most of the people that we know have been alive for, mm-hmm. right? But this is interesting because sort of around the 1870s, as the positive benefits of COVID vaccine, oh, sorry, of, of smallpox vaccination, yeah. I'd say, smallpox vaccination come obvious, right? Yes. You know, we're seeing smallpox cases reduce in populations where they've been vaccinated against, uh, against smallpox with cowpox. Governments get this idea, well, why don't you make it mandatory? Mm. You know, and, and this is important, right? Because you know, we've not been able to do this before. Yeah. Humankind hasn't had the ability to go, hey, we've got this thing that just stops the disease happening. Yeah. It, you know, not we've got a treatment or we've got a remedy or we've got a cure. This just doesn't happen. Mm. Here, put this in, in two weeks... You can touch anyone with smallpox. You can you make yeah. out with them. You can cuddle them, whatever, right? You can do anything you want. Smallpox ain't going to affect you. So this this new weapon, mm. this new weapon against diseases that no one had really thought about. And, you know, Louis Pasteur would go on and go like, oh, okay, I've got other ways to, like, fight this. And I've got, you know, and there's other diseases we can fight with this same approach. Mm. But this was the first time that the world was going, huh, you know what? Smallpox ain't as scary as we thought it was. Mm. So they make it mandatory. And in the 1870s, and in the UK, I'm going to focus on for now, they they pass a law that's basically like mandatory. Mm. Got to get smallpox vaccinated. And it caused a bit of an outcry. Right, you know, it, it, there's this, you know, there's this sort of outrage about it, blah blah blah, and within about a decade, a new law is passed that essentially allows an exemption for conscientious objection. Mm. You know, you can, you can, you can not get vaccinated against smallpox if you have a conscious, conscious, conscience objection against getting the smallpox vaccine. Now, this exemption was quite hard to get. Because you had to get two magistrates, two magistrates, to sign it and say, actually, yeah, mm-hmm. 
we, you know, we understand this person's conscientious objection and we have accepted it and, you know, yes, they're exempt now from getting smallpox vaccinated. Um, and this law was then further rolled back to the point at which you had to basically get what was then the English equivalent of like a sworn affidavit. Yeah, yeah. Where a notary signed like statement of, I do not believe that I should get the smallpox vaccine. And then eventually it sort of, the law got sort of like peeled back and pared back and pared back until essentially, you know, strictly speaking, the smallpox vaccine is still a legal requirement today. Mm-hmm. Much like many English laws are still legal requirements today that have no yeah. real legal bearing in reality, right? Exactly. Um, but in effect became, you know, a toothless article of law, yeah. right? And I think this is interesting because even in the 1870s, you know, we had this disease that we could quite comfortably eradicate. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there was this thing, there's this tool, and don't get me wrong, you know, the syphilis transmissions, those kind of things, that was bad, right? Mm-hmm. There were bad side effects, right, to this. But considering how, like, bad smallpox could be, this is a pretty good tool still, right? This is a pretty good weapon against smallpox. That made people, and, and particularly made governments go, huh, well, we've made this a, a mandatory requirement, and actually there's been quite a big outcry about it. Mm. And it, it's got me thinking because... You know, I wanted to make this this show or this episode in particular about getting vaccinated. Sure. I wanted to make this episode a message of go and get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. You know, like you should get vaccinated. It's your duty to get vaccinated. And, and to an extent, I believe all of those things. I do believe that you have a moral obligation to get vaccinated. I don't believe that just because you yourself may not be at risk... Yeah, that you shouldn't do it to the other That you can abdicate that yeah. responsibility, exactly. right? You know, we have a social responsibility, you know. I think it's even, you know, to an extent, your patriotic duty, right, to be vaccinated. No, no, I do. I, I think that a lot of people, you know, they beat their chest and they, they're like, oh, well, I'm English, or, you know, I sub- you know blah, 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 blah. But mm-hmm. true patriotism, true duty, true 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 societal serving you know true societal servitude comes from not words but from actions Mm, right yeah um but that's by the by because doing this research it has got me thinking that and at the start of this this research i was very much pro you know mandatory vaccination sure but it's got me thinking that the truth of the matter is is that the World Health Organization's campaign against smallpox mm. was successful not through law, yeah. but through communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not a vaccine expert. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm some, I'm, I'm, I've done a lot of reading, yeah. but I'm not a vaccine expert. I'm not, a, I'm not a biologist. I'm a computer scientist, right? I don't, don't know enough about biology to be able to explain it in great detail. But... I think that the secret to winning the war against COVID 
is the same as the secret to winning the war against smallpox. Mm. And that's good messaging. Yeah. It's boots on the ground. And it's ultimately going and talking to people and saying, why are you scared? Yeah. And, and you know, there are a lot of populations who I think very reasonably have a lot of doubt about, uh, you know, I mean, there's like lots of historical cases, right, where there were groups of people that were used against like testing and stuff yeah, like that, right? uh, Yeah, no, I get what you're saying, but... but uh, what I wanted to say more was like it's important that rather than simply basing it on past experience or cynical thought or anything like that, that you seek out information and not the information that you pry off of some person's you know shoddy blogspot website, mm-hmm. but from sources are trustworthy that are reliable that that have worked incredibly hard to put a lid on this sort of pandora's box of disaster right mm. um what i'm trying to say is is that i think that we as people have been vaccinated mm-hmm. and i think that people listen to this who are people who have been vaccinated or are due to be vaccinated, obviously. I realise that some people maybe haven't had immediate access mm-hmm. to vaccines. Have a duty to communicate clearly and concisely the benefits and drawbacks of vaccination, mm-hmm. right? And I think that this is something the NHS does really well. I, I think that, you know, Public Health England, for all of its for all of its failures, and, you know, it has messed up a couple of times, ultimately has done a very good job mm-hmm. of messaging right mm-hmm. but i think it's important that effective public health messaging is the key takeaway of this covid-19 pandemic because i think that's something that we've lost yeah that's very true that is very true right like i think you know in sort of i'm thinking of like jonah salk kind of you know time of like the 20th century where there's this kind of like golden age of vaccines and stuff like that where like people really really turned to them to make sure that a lot of these illnesses that were like completely debilitating their children wouldn't wouldn't exist anymore right you you don't see that um you don't see that fervor kind of as widespread in in many many different populations but i don't know because i think this is kind of a nostalgic myth Mm -hmm. this idea that you know 70 years ago, every, or, or, or maybe more accurately, like 80 or 90 years ago, yeah. everyone was clamouring for vaccines. Mm-hmm. Everyone was desperate to get vaccinated. Oh, I can get my, my kid vaccinated against men and dry, so I can get them vaccinated against X, I can get them vaccinated against Y, blah, 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 blah. No, there's always been this conscientious objection, and, and, and or, or not even conscientious objection, but this just objection to vaccination, this, this mistrust. And whether it's from legitimate concern from, you know, exploited populations Mm -hmm. or whether it's because of misinformation that has been propagated through media or social or online or whatever right the simple fact of the matter is is that the thing that has always beaten it and the thing that will continue to beat it is effective public health messaging Mm. it is effectively saying this is the facts yeah this is the facts it's being calm it's being firm. Mm-hmm. 
it's being clear and it's being open mm. and so this is my key takeaway for everyone you know if you've got a family member who isn't vaccinated because they are vaccine hesitant mm. it's not about getting angry at them it's not about it's not about arguing with them it's about staying calm it's about being patient it's about consistently and you know repeatedly making your point and not not i'm not talking about in a single conversation i'm talking over days and weeks mm. and even months of just going yeah but ultimately those that are vaccinated are safer yeah yeah but ultimately you and just keeping that calm persistent messaging because it does work mm. and it has been shown to work and it killed smallpox mm -hmm. and it can kill covid too okay well that was an excellent talk on rabies on rabbit <laughs> um i'd like to award you a um a phd uh from let me think did i say have i said loyola university in, I, in New Orleans? Possibly not, no. Okay, well, I will I will award you a PhD in medical history and um, public health advocacy from Loyola University. Yes, get in. <laughs> okay, so before we wrap up, do you have a word for me? Do I have a word for you? So where are we? Q-R-S. So, S. Um, hmm. Okay. My word for you mm -hmm. is sycophant. 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 All right. Um, do with that what you yes. will. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit, bit crazy. I'm feeling a bit quirky oh, with the no. word sycophant. So. so I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to prepare a baller presentation. Anyway, yes. let us wrap yes. up by talking about our socials. So. Yes. If you have liked what you've heard, you want to mm -hmm. keep up to date with what's um, what's going on, what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter, at LiveInViva. Yes, L-I-V-I-N-V-I-V-A. And if you want to keep up to date on Facebook, because you're more of a Facebook person, mm -hmm. you can find us on Facebook, just type into the search, Live in La Viva Voce. Yes, if you like this, like we said at the beginning, want to listen to another podcast that we do on reality TV, specifically Love Island, we publish new episodes of that, uh, where we do weekly recaps every uh, Tuesday. And if you like uh, Live in La Viva Voce in this is your first episode, why not hit that subscribe button? Why not leave us a review? And we post new episodes um, weekly every Friday, 5 p.m. Uh, British summertime or like GMT, whatever, um, and then noon um, Eastern Standard Time. Can you leave reviews on podcast apps? Yeah, you can. Oh. You actually can. I, d I didn't know. I, yeah. I've never listened to a podcast. Mm -hmm. No, I listen to a podcast on like, on like Google Apps yeah. or Google Home or whatever, right? Anyway, um, until next time. I've been Meg. And I've been Adam. All right. See you next week. Bye-bye. See you next week. Bye-bye.